Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 107th episode of the podcast. We get a chance to talk to Liam Bowen, head coach at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC. Coach Bowen is the fifth head coach of all time at UMBC. He's the fifth coach there. He spent eight years prior to being named the head coach at UMBC. Uh, during his time as an assistant coach, he was the American. Uh, they were part of the American East Championship in 2017, where he was the pitching coach. They surrendered just three runs per game. Uh, it was the first conference championship in history, their third NCAA appearance. He recruited the 2017 America East Rookie of the Year, Kristen Torres. Uh, during his time as a pitching coach, reloaded the ERA from 9.01 to 3.3. That was from 2012 to 2015. This is the best improvement in the country over that period of time. Bowen, he's recruited four freshman All-Americans, 33 All-Conference selections, as well as 15 All-Rookie selections. Uh, coach Bowen is a well-respected uh, person, first and foremost, as well as coach uh, in the area. Been, uh, you see him on other podcasts as well. And uh, you can hear through the conversation that we had um, the definition of a UMBC player is easily spelled out. Uh, knowing as a staff that they have had these tough conversations and gone through it, and it's a way for them to identify players, identify them, and as he mentions, keeps their North Star, their guiding light as to when they need to make decisions. And we go on to that. So a uh, really great conversation with Coach Bowen. I was just really uh, looking forward to this, and I'm glad we were to find the time and make it happen. I uh, appreciate him as well as appreciate our guys at Netting Pros. Will Miner and the guys at Netting Pros are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all the latest products and projects. So, again, big thanks to those guys. Big shout-out to Will Meyer and his guys at Netting Pros. Thank you to Coach Liam Bone uh, at UMBC for his time. Uh, give us a good hour of his time to discuss his program, discuss common character traits, um, in a person as well as in what their team is, what they're looking for, uh, talking about their coaches' meetings and what they're looking for. When he, a great thing, even off air, we didn't get a chance to talk to, but we talked about how, you know, during his interview process, what do you want these kids to remember you as? You know, that clarity, you know, that those driving, again, the North, what's your North Star? What do they remember you as? What a great question for us to ask as we go through this. Uh, both as coaches, but as people, as well as students, as well as players, as well as workers. What are they going to remember me as? All right, what are they going to do that? So uh, what are you going to leave behind, and what are you really going to tolerate, or what, are you, what is your non-negotiable? <laughs> so good stuff by Coach Bowen. Uh, love to get in more. You're going to have to you listen, for, listen for it, um, you know, but uh, – really want to thank him and thank the guys at Netting Pros. So without further ado, I want to get right into the head coach at UMBC, Coach Liam Bowen. No, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I would say it's, it's sort of like each guy that, uh, you know, we would potentially be interested in. Uh, in the recruiting process has to go through a series of filters, right? Like you have to uh, be a good enough baseball player first and foremost. And then among the the guys who are good enough baseball players to play at our level, they have to fit a need on our roster. So that eliminates some more guys. And then you get into the, the academics and the character piece, right? So um, it's got to be an academic fit at UMBC. They've got to be uh, a high level enough student. You know, they have to, be somebody that can succeed at our school and maybe uh, has the, the course of study that they need, you know, has an interest in some of the things where we're strong. And then um, they got to be people that we can trust with the opportunity to play at our place, which I value really, really highly. So that's another filter. 
probably the most important one that they have to go through. So at the end of the process, you've, you've looked at just dozens and dozens and dozens of guys to arrive at a recruiting class that might only have, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten guys in it. But um, it, I think if you if you go through that process correctly, you're going to end up with guys that you really believe in and that you can't wait to coach. And I think the school being so um, rigorous and, and being so well thought of academically, like that's part of it. You, you know, you end up with guys who at our place who are really different than the average 18 year old. So those guys can be pretty fun to coach. It just takes a little bit of work to figure out who they are, but that's okay. You know, that's our job. Sure. Like on, on your end, like I'm just thinking about as a coach, like finding those guys, like, is that like the first thing you kind of come to? Like, are you kind of shifting through guys' rosters? Like, do you want to see GPAs? Like, should they already be on there where you already kind of know like, Hey, I got to look for this guy. Like, how do you filter that? Uh, it, it, it can be any number of ways, you know, it, it's, it's really just part of the legwork in recruiting, right? It, it can be, you know, talking to coaches of travel teams. It can be running down information online. There's really a lot you can find out, you know, in 2022 in your office, which is different than when I started, which is good. That can, that can kind of, um, you know, shorten the process a little bit. Uh, and I think you're, you're probably better off finding the the players that excite you, you know, in between the lines and then figuring out if they're the right student or not, because there's, there's probably more guys who can go to UMBC as a student than can play in the America East conference as a baseball player. Right. So you, you want to find the guys who, you know, let's say you're looking for a shortstop in a class and you find a guy that you really think can come into your league and play shortstop, you know, then it's time to dig into some of those other things. And, you know, we've, we've had to, Pass on some really good players. We haven't been able to recruit some really good players, but that's that's part of being at our place. And I I really believe in our place. I think it's really special. So it's a trade we're willing to make, um, and and something that we're we're more grateful for than we find a burden. I'll say that. Sure. Nah, that's very good. Um, very good. I mean, it's just a it's just a challenging thing. Like I know, like. Just thinking of like John Hopkins too, you know, like they're not even touching that guy without the fifteen hundred of the SATs, and you know just how just how much of a challenge that is for you guys, especially just being such a strong academic school, and um, you know, but it is it's a, such a and it's such a competitive conference, um, you know, to play at a high level. So I think, um, you know, just a just a big a big challenge. Like I said, it's something that's unique to your to your you guys. Like I said, I'm sure when you find it, it's pretty special. No, for sure. And w one thing I would say about that, Trey, is like there's way more to being a D1 player than being really good at baseball, right? And that's what sometimes I think gets lost in this. And and it can be a UMBC where the academic standards are pretty high. You mentioned um, Hopkins, and then there was, of course, like the Ivy League, the Patriot League, lots of good schools. Um, but it could be any Division One school. Uh, you know, being a Division One player, it's, it's you know, obviously there's an ability component, but there's a – there's a reliability component. You know, there's guys that are going to show up on time. There's go to every class, take care of their business, just really solve the day-to-day -day stuff. There's a kind of a teammate component. You know, there are guys who have division one ability, but won't get recruited because of the, the way they carry themselves with their teammates. Um, there's a coachability component. You know, the guy that's really curious and, and really wants to get to the end of his potential is going to be a D one player before, you know, a, a similar ability guy who, who doesn't have those traits. So, you know, I don't think you can just watch a guy play one time or see a guy at a combine and be like, that's a D one player. And that, that guy isn't, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And if, if there's somebody out here, you know, listening to this podcast, who says, I want to play at the division one level. Like I would challenge them in those areas too, I mean, because that's a huge piece of it is the, the outside the line stuff. So take us, take us through like one of the day in the life of a player. Okay. Yeah, sure. So just thinking and, about like what, like you said, like the D1 player, there's a lot more to it. Like, so take us through a. Yeah, definitely. Event. So, so I'm a big believer that like anybody who's successful in anything um, with few exceptions is going to be good at executing a routine, like designing routine, executing a routine and our routine at UMBC. Uh, so I'll go through like a typical fall practice day. Our routine at UMBC is um, wake up, have a good breakfast, get to the weight room at 8 a.m., spend an hour with the strength coach, 
from 8 a.m. to 9 9 a.m. If you're in our study hall program, which depends on your grades uh, from the previous semester, that study hall starts at 9.15. If you don't have class, if if you have class at that time, you go to class. Most of our guys are in class, you know, anywhere from from nine to two, you know, different blocks during that time period. Obviously, they fit in lunch during then. And then early work starts for the pitchers at 145. It starts uh, a little later uh, for the position guys. It's mandatory for the pitchers. For the position guys, it's more by appointment, Um, you know, just working with uh, position coaches on different things. And then the team segment of practice is at three. The pitchers are done after that. And the uh, the position guys usually go till about five o'clock. Everybody, you know, gets away from the field. We try and run a really high tempo practice, you know, where we're not, you know, just, um, you know, stretching the time out, shagging BP for an hour, but something where we're really, when we're together, we're getting a lot of work done that chases our goals. And then we try and be walking away from the field five, five thirty, and guys go get a good dinner, get eight hours of sleep and do it again. And the guy that can do that for 15 weeks in the fall like that guy's going to develop and that guy's going to be a really good American East baseball player and have a really good career at UMBC. And the guys that struggle with being consistent with that kind of routine, then their ability almost kind of doesn't matter because they're, they're going to get caught and passed, you know, by the guys who are just stacking good days on good days. So yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the day in the life, man. Like it's, it's nothing like I tell the guys, like, I'm not trying to trick them. You know, it's, it's, it's a simple process. It's just not that easy. And the, you know, we've, we've seen some real growth with guys over the years who are able to do that well. And that was basically, uh, the uh, spring, like, or is that you're saying like a fall, well, it's, right? it's the fall, but the spring's not crazy different. The only, di- the only difference is, um, you know, the, the lifts are a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. because we're obviously pre- we're preparing for competition, um, practice is, is usually a little bit shorter, maybe 15 minutes or half an hour shorter. And then obviously we have game days, you know, we sure. have a bunch of those. So, uh, those days look a little bit different, but, uh, yeah, that's like, we try not to disrupt the routine too much, you know, no, no matter what happens in our season, you know, when, when we're home or on the road or whatever the case may be, we try and keep the guys, you know, doing what they're used to and, and basically give them, a pattern that they can get really good at, right? Like, like we need to be masters of our routine. We don't need to just be okay at it. So uh, if you're going to master something, I think you got to be consistent with it. And we try and make it as consistent as possible for the guys. Nice. No, that's great. How, how, how hard is it? Like, so think about staffing wise, I know you said practice like early, that's like 145 with pitchers and all like, mm-hmm. you know, what's the challenge like within, within the staff to get guys to, that you're able to do like kind of as well as manage that, you know, and uh, I could say manage that schedule. So you're talking about the coaching staff? staff. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, obviously we have different guys that are, you know, assigned different things. You know, uh, we have our, our hitting coach, Phil Disher, uh, who also coaches our catchers. Uh, we just got a, a new infield coach who will be announcing shortly. Um, and, and that guy usually ends up uh, kind of spearheading the defense, you know, a lot of the defensive positioning and, uh, things of that type. And, um, and then we have our pitching coach, uh, Rory Costello, who uh, started working with the pitchers more and more as the year went on last year. And I, I just think is a, is a super young pitching coach. So that's his time to shine at 145, right. Mm-hmm. With, with, with the pitchers, that's um, you know, I'll float in and out of there. I have a pitching background. I was a pitching coach at our place for eight years. And um, you know, th- when those coaches are with their position groups, though, to me, they're the head coach of the group. Like if I, if I happen to be around at 145, that doesn't mean I'm I'm suddenly the pitching coach. He's the pitching coach, and he gets to lead that group. And you know, I remember being assistant. Like I said, I, I did it for a while, and it just I just remember wanting to know, hey, like, what time do I get? When do I get it? And then I get to go develop my plan, and I get to try and impact those guys and, and try and get the best results possible. So I try and do that for our assistants. You know, I feel like that's my role. Is to be able to tell Coach Costello, hey man, one forty-five every practice day, you know, pin your ears back and go coach the heck out of the pitchers, right? And I think if you can give, as a head coach, if you can give the assistants that structure, and you hire the right guys, which I know we did, we got an awesome group uh, here for twenty twenty-three. Like, you can't lose. You know, you're going to get the best out of your coaches, and your coaches are going to get the best out of your players. 
Oh, great. So that, that's what I was wondering. I was thinking about like, you know, because time, I think what eight years before you were deemed the head coach, right? Eight mm-hmm. years as an assistant. So like thinking about those, those eight years, like what's, what was it that you learned through there that you now, you know, as a, as a head coach, taking the lessons that you learned as assistant, like, here's what I want to do for my assistants uh, because of like the lessons that you learned in eight years. Yeah. And I love the way you put it. Like, here's what I want to do for my assistants. Right. Because I feel like my job is to make UMBC the best place to be an assistant coach possible because a lot of the hands-on development, like I still do some because I love developing players and I love being involved with them, but like the day-to-day nuts and bolts development, a lot of that's going to come from your assistant coaches at our level. Like I'm not going to impact our hitters, you know, 1% as much as coach Disher will. And I shouldn't, he's, he's, you know, I'm, I'm a pitching guy. He's a terrific hitting guy. You know, basically my job for him is, let me put you in a situation. Let me give you a structure. Let me, you know, try and lead the program in a way where every minute that you spend working at UMBC, you move the needle the most with our hitters, right? We get the most return on your talent and your effort as a coach. And so those are the things that I think about, right? You know, during the eight years that you were talking about, I was thinking about, well, hey, how do we get so-and-so to spin a slider better? Or how do we get um, you know, our bullpen figured out or, or whatever the case may be, you know, with the pitching staff. Now I think about, well, how do I get our coaches in a position where they can make you know, the impact that I think they're capable of and I know they're capable of. So, um, you know, it, it's not that I've, I've stopped coaching the players. I, I certainly haven't. Like I, getting to interact with our guys every day is, is still the biggest joy in the job, but to me, it's more about the, like the big picture of like, can we make this into a, a system in a situation that, that works for the people who work inside it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I guess, cause you work for Jank, right? Uh, so John Jankashe, um, retired the year before I got to UMBC. So I worked oh, for Bob okay. Muma for eight years. Muma, okay, although, so I know, yeah, right. although I know John Jankashe well, he's a, he's a, a prince of a guy. And I was, uh, I got asked about him the other day and I told the, the, the guy who was asking that every picture I see in him of him, he looks better and better. I think he's enjoying retirement, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure he is. Plenty. so I hope he hears that. I, I, I like getting those pictures. He's a good man. Yeah. So that's, cause that's all I was just, I was just thinking about just the, the kind of your style, like how, how was this, that philosophy of, you know, making UMBC the best place for assistance. Like, how did that come about? Like, like, where did, how did that style, that philosophy kind of come about? I'm just thinking. Sure. Well, well, first off, I, you know, I'm super grateful to coach Muma for hiring me. Um, and he always gave me a ton of rope with the pitchers. He let me, you know, really coach the pitchers in the best way that I knew how and, and, you know, let me make so many of those decisions. And so that was something that I certainly wanted to repeat. You know, I thought, um, I was just really appreciative of that, and I wanted to, you know, make sure that um, I was paying that forward, you know, to the next guy. You know, I didn't want to change that a bit. So uh, definitely appreciated that. And then beyond that, I, you know, I think every every head coach is going to do things their own way. And um, for me, it was about you know just bringing bringing us. I'm you know <laughs> I'm a. I'm a planner, right? Like I'm a guy, I got like a spreadsheet for everything. And, you know, I can tell you what we're going to do on in practice in the middle of September. And um, everybody has their own way of doing it. That's mine. And, you know, if I see that as a strength of mine, it's like, well, how do I make that strength relevant to our assistants? Right. So I just try and let them in on the plan and say, Hey, like, here's what I'm thinking. Here's how we're going to set it up. Give me some feedback. Tell me what you like, what you don't. And then you'll know it. So when it comes time for you to make your plan, you know, you're, you know what you're working with. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's anything crazy complicated. I just think over the years, you know, you figure out, well, Hey, th- this is what I'm good at. So, so let me try and make an impact on the people I need to using these strengths and maybe, maybe avoiding some weaknesses. You know what I mean? So um that's how we do it. I just, I, I think the special part about the special sauce that I was thinking about is just like you said, your question to yourself is this is my strength and how can I make that strength relevant to my assistants? You know, and then like you said, how can I make an impact 
on these guys with my strengths. I think that was a pretty remarkable thing of, of just the reflection of that thinking of if this is my strength, then how do I make that impact on these people? Um, do you find that when you're trying to look for a coach, um, maybe a person that goes well with that or a person that maybe feels maybe it's like, if I'm really good at this, then I'm probably not, maybe not as good as this. Do you find to fill a gap? Or is it mostly like I know this guy's going to work well with me? My spreadsheet, my spreadsheet uh, ways. Right. So I'm probably more the first way, like looking for guys who have complementary skill sets and complementary personalities. Like you have to be able to work well together. But you know, I'm I'm just a big believer in division of labor, right? Like if we divide the workload up, and everybody gets to do things that excite them that they're good at, and look, there's there's some there's some stuff that that it doesn't excite anybody. Like we fill out expense reports and stuff and, you know, the kind of the, the, the minutia of the, the office and all that. But um, for the most part, if you can get guys doing things that fire them up, then I think you're just going to have a better coaching staff. And, um, you know, so I, I think we're looking for, for some complementary skill sets there for sure. I will say there's like some common character traits to look for maybe not necessarily like a style um but like a like character traits like guys who are really selfless um you know i think about coach dishard you know i've been mentioning him the guy had just a, an absurd playing career i mean you know hit all these home runs for the university of south carolina was an all-american there um and his pro career ended early because of injury basically just just drew a really tough card and you know he the way that he's just, you know, gotten past that and just become made his life about his family and, and our players and pouring everything he can into them. Like to me, like that's a guy that, that that's, that's a, an everyday walking example of selflessness that we all can learn from, particularly our players. So we want to have guys who understand that and buy into that and, and get that like, Hey, you know, it's not my hitters. It's not my recruits. It's not my pitchers. It's UMBC baseball. And, you know, we, we win and lose together. And, um, that's just one of the character traits. There's other ones that we look for in guys on the staff. But, um, I think if you get the right characters, then you can get in like that, then you can get the differences to complement guys. And then, then you kind of have the right mix. So you, you speak about like character traits among coaches, uh, and the things that you look for, uh, are there common characteristic traits that you look for in players or like, let's say, even even a step farther is like these are the common characteristics of a retriever. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think number one, I think you got to spend time defining that, right? Okay. Because because otherwise, I, I think you just kind of end up your conversations are about it become vague and cliched. And um, I'm a big believer in eliminating gray area in all, in all the areas that we we operate in. So the two things that we look for for everybody in the program, it's the the, the motto of the program is guys who are selfless, which I just talked about, and then guys who are reliable, right? And those are simple things, but there's a lot that goes into them. So for me, a guy that's reliable is not just a guy who's, you know, coming to practice on time, working hard, taking care of his schoolwork, stuff like that, but a guy who's able to deliver his skill set on the field really consistently. Uh, so if we're talking about players, you know, we're talking about guys who – you know, we, we play over 50 games a year. I want to know what their worst game is like, right? You know, I don't, I, I'm not as worried about, well, Hey, you know, if, if this guy's going well, he's really good. Well, we need him to be good on a, on a Tuesday when we're on the road and he, he just had a couple exams and maybe his, his ankle hurts a little bit and he's a little bit tired and uh, we got a tough umpire or the weather's not great. Like we need him to be good that too. And, and that's where, reliability comes into it. So everybody in our program, myself included, it's what I expect of myself. We just want to make sure they're putting the team first and, uh, you know, and not just the team, but really other people in their life first. They're serving other people in everything they do. And, and then th they can be counted on. Uh, those are the, those are the two main ones. And I think a lot of it, there's other things you can build on top of that, but to me, that's the foundation. Selfish, you define that as, uh, can you can you say that again about being selfless? Selfless, yeah. Just guys who who serve, you know, get a get a genuine joy out of serving other people, right? 
Like, okay. you know, we're, we're, we're both fathers, right? You get taught yep. this by having kids, right? We were just talking about that, you know, before we got going here and seeing, you know, your, your child do something that they're really proud of and that maybe you help them with a little bit. There's a genuine joy in that, you know, and, and that feeling, you know, we want guys who understand that. And that's hard. It's hard to find an 18 year old kid who understands that. Right. You know, who hasn't maybe gone through being a dad, like I'm talking about or any of those things. It's somebody who can take like a real genuine joy in their team and their teammates success. Um, and it's, um, it's hard to find, but it's easy to recognize, right? Like, like when you go out and watch players, the guys who are just really love competing to test their team and to, to try and accomplish something together. Like I think those guys stand out. So, you know, we try and be pretty relentless about finding those guys and, um, and, and frankly, passing on the other ones. You know, I, I think that's, um, if, if you're going to end up with chemistry at the end of the recruiting process, a team with true chemistry, you got to get that front end piece of it right where you're finding guys who really value team and, and each other and, and have a high regard for that. I love even how, like going back to the reliable piece of like, what do you look like on your bad day? You know, like I get that. It just got me thinking about like some players and thinking like, you know, they all go through bad days, but like, there are certain bad days that just have a bad taste in my mouth. Like, mm -hmm. like you're not very likable right now. Cause look, we all go through it. We're all going to go over three or we're all going to make an error. But let's just like, now it's really, it's really not like it. So I think that's a, a very good change in perspective of like, what does your bad day look like? And speaking to that reliability, it's not, and that's a reliability is just, it's also, I mean, consistency is kind of close to that. Um, you know, but it's it's handling failure too. But like, I just I love that perspective of like, the, of that you know, and it, it, like for me, I, I talk to kids like I love those days where like, it's it's a grind. You know, it's hot or you know we're facing a really good arm. You know, like all right, let me see what we got. You know, like because like I tell kids, it's like, you know, you really don't need all your friends when things are going well. You need your <laughs> boys when when things are tough. That's when you need your boys. You know. And uh, so I guess it kind of remind, just like really sparked my interest there, Coach. I really liked how you put that. Oh, I appreciate it. And, and um, the the classic one for me, I think about it as a pitcher, right? I, I was a pitcher. I coached the pitchers. Um, and I, I've been told a lot over the years. I'm sure you've heard this too. You say, you know, how is this this young pitcher? Is he is he pretty good? And the response you get is, well, when he's on, he's really good. Oh, and yeah. To me, to me, it's like, well – if you're not good when you're on, I mean, then, then I think you got to stop pitching, right? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like that's, you're supposed to be good when you're on the, the thing is, and the thing that I really value, let's say starting pitchers, you know, I love a guy who maybe it's a day where he doesn't have his best stuff. He's, he doesn't have his feel for his spin or he's fighting his delivery or, um, you know, what, whatever the case may be that particular day, but he's not going to give you the ball back till the fifth or sixth. And he's going to find a way to shorten the game for the bullpen, just get you 15, 18 outs, you know, clock through some hitters. He might get touched up a little bit, but he can find a way through innings. He can he can fight his way back to the dugout, and he can. And we go through like we do a seminar on this every year, where where I talk about hey, like we got twenty seven innings to fill up every weekend. Like you got to clock your outs. You know, you, even the days where maybe it's ugly and it doesn't look great, like like you got to get the outs that we send you out there to get. And to me, that's the that's the reliability piece. The guy who you know, he's going to give you the ball back and he, without getting any outs or he's going to be lights out like that guy's not going to be as valuable for us because that that coin flip guy, you know, you just he, he he's hard to set up the staff with, you know, just it's it's hard to build a weekend with that guy as a part of it. So, um, yeah, that like that to me, that's everything because it's, you know, each each moment in the game is about so much more than that moment. It's about how it affects the the other innings in that game, the other innings in that weekend, the season, like you, you have to um, just do things the right way so that the, the, the whole team can continue to grow and continue to thrive. Um, it's not really just like one guy's part of it. And that's, and that's why our sport's great, right? That's why we're, we're sitting here talking baseball. And, uh, you know, I know it's something that we both um, have been involved in for a long time and, and, you know, continue to, to see value in it's because of that to me, it's because of the team piece and how 
yeah, there's these individual battles within the sport, like the pitcher versus hitter, but it all matters to the team. And um, to me, there's like a real beauty in that. We want guys that respect that and understand that. I do. Yeah, there's so much more to it. And not because like my wife, she's a CPA. She's a partner in a CPA firm. And she's even mentioned like you can tell the people who have played sports and value a team like that trait sticks out, you know, and it plays, you know, and it's it, it's it can show over across many things, you know, um, you can tell coaches like for me, like on my staff, like I'm a teacher, but you can tell the people, you know, who are like, you don't mind working with a team and can work with people and they figure out and they're okay with it. Um, you know, there's definitely things like that, that just help when they can buy, they more into buying into the collective whole in our, the, the sum is greater than individual parts, you know? Uh, so yeah, that's, that's for certain. So yeah, I love that. Love that coach. Um, really cool. Um, just diving into even some more, like I said, diving into more of those pitching, uh, like you, you talked about, uh, seminars, uh, just kind of diving into, you you know, get a little curious about that. So are these seminars, when you talk about collecting your outs, I like that you got to clock your outs. Uh, are these like weekly meetings, seminars? That's is that how you put it, or are they like uh, weekly, daily, I, uh, fall, spring? Uh. Sure, I, I've done them. Uh, when I was a pitching coach, I would do them sometimes weekly or biweekly. Um, and you know, I think it, it's um, it, it just depends on on what you feel like that team needs, right? Because each year you have a different mix. You don't want to. You know, you know, you know, you don't want the guys feeling like they're taking English one on one four times, right? You know, you want to you want to be able to change up the material on them a little bit and keep things fresh, um, but also give the young players the grounding that they need, right? So, I think a lot of times it's a matter of, you know, I think I think it was John Wooden that said like, hey, the the most important scouting you do is of your own practices, right? Like where you look at your team and and you figure out, okay, this is what this team needs. How do we deliver this message to them? And it can be, hey, we're all going to go in the classroom and chop this up. It can be something where we put them into a, you know, like a structured, uh, you know, drill or scrimmage or something where we where we're kind of um, having them learn what we need them to learn that way. It can be something that they do with each other, where we we've had guys present to each other over the years, where it's almost like you assign kind of a book report to a, a, a group of guys and they present it to their teammates. Um, and, and that's really the fun of the job to, to me is each team's different. Each player's different. Sometimes the messages are similar year to year, but you got to find a way to land it with that group inside their story. Right. The way I think of it, Trey is like, it, you know, it, it, the message you're trying to land with your team, that's, team that's a chapter in a book and like you could write the best chapter going but if you stick it in the wrong book like it's not gonna make any sense so it has to fit within that team's story within that team's journey and um we just try and be creative and kind of keep the guys on their toes and um you know make sure they're they're hearing uh, what we're saying and that it's it's guiding us i think that's that's important so um when I was a pitching coach, like I said, I'm 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 pretty regimented. I'm a planner. I was pro- I was more like, hey, we, you know, we're gonna do this every week. And over the years, I've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, uh, just to be more flexible and serve each team's needs. So your seminars then come at as t- as needed is what you're saying. Yeah, as needed. It doesn't always have to be like a seminar, like a class uh, classroom setting or anything like that. It could be a minute before practice, you know, where it's like, hey, look. This is just a quick message. Let's tell these guys a quick story. You know, let's, you know, set their mindset before we get going here. It can be that, you know, it can, it's just like, what do we, I mean, you're a teacher. I know you understand this. Like, what do we need to learn and how do we need to learn it? It's as simple as that. Um, but within that, there's, there's so many possibilities and, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a matter of, really observing things closely. And then for me, just continuing to talk to the coaching staff and asking those guys the right questions and getting their feedback and having our meetings and and that whole process kind of feeds into it. So do each of these coaches, like the position coaches, will they have, like, could they have that seminar time to work with their people? Like if they need it, like let's say pre-pitch routines for the infielders, you know, or, Hey, we're going to touch base about, you know, um, root, like, routines like you know i give out like a like a flush routine or a reset routine or whatever you want to call it you know mm-hmm. uh does the does those people are, are there 
do do they have that freedom to do that through that within that time that they have? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I would expect that. You yeah, know, and I, I know that's um, that's what those guys do. One thing we've done over the years to kind of make sure we're creating that time is in the fall and then sometimes in the spring too, like one practice a week, we'll just run it almost like individuals where okay. guys are coming in small groups and, you know, your infield guy can say, Hey, I want to make this point to my corner infielders, you know, that I haven't, you know, it's really specific. It's a little bit slower paced. You know, I don't want to take away from the pace of practice, but I really want to slow down and make sure we land, you know, this message or teach this the way that we need to. Well, you know, we'll do that on the, the individual day. And, you know, the guys will show up in shorts and get focused on learning that. And we can space out, uh, you know, the development that day to give the appropriate time to what we need to. So, you know, that's a good day to if you if you want to reshape a guy's breaking pitch or uh, teach a guy to push bun or um, maybe maybe a guy got a little bit faster over the offseason. Now now we need to work on, uh, you know, stealing second and and reading pitchers. Um yeah, I think you got to make. I think all players want to be treated as individuals, right? Like nobody wants to, you know, just be kind of a faceless part of the team. They want to be valued for their their own particular skills. And I think the way you design the whole development structure has to reflect that. So that's what we've landed on over the years. We've gotten some value out of it for sure. Yeah, that's great. I had a I had a buddy of mine in Ohio, Tom Marker. Um, he he kind of calls those. Per, uh, PD days, personal development days. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where you still like once a week or certain days are just like, all right, today's a PD day and you kind of get what you need. Um, has a menu, things like that. But guys more individualized, but like, you know, you can kind of, like you said, I got to work on this guy's breaking ball. And then you work with that guy. Uh, and it, like, that's kind of what they, what they do. But I love that. Just at least giving it a day where like, all right, today is just totally focused. Like, on what you need to do well, uh, or what you need to get improved to. Um, you know, so I just think those are very valuable. I'm sure the guys really appreciate those too, coach. I, I think it's the guys like favorite days for sure. Um, and because of that individual aspect, but also I think it just reflects where coaching's gone. So I got, you know, I wasn't a pro. I got done playing in college in, in 2006. So I was, I was in college 02 to 06. And back then we spent a ton of time on the team concepts, but there were, wasn't nearly as much individual development um, probably because there just wasn't as much knowledge of it. You know, there's so much has been discovered and learned and worked on, you know, from 06 until now. And I think if you're coaching in 2022, you have to take advantage of all these things that all these smart people have learned about our game to help individual players get better. And if you're not making time for that and um, you know, it's, it's just kind of bunt defense, cut relay, a lot of full field BP, a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think the game's evolved beyond that. Like those things obviously still have a place. We still do them. We make time for them. They're really important. They win and lose ball games, but they're not the only tools in the box anymore to make players better. And you got to make time to, to use all the tools. Got to make time to use all the tools. Can you dive into some of those tools that you like? Like, like, cause you know, like there's so much out there too, coach. And I'm sure you maybe have shifted it, maybe fell on like, let's say top two or three. Yeah. So I'm, I would say like, I'm generally, I'm a, I'm a little bit lower tech than some. I'm, I still buy into it. Like, like I'll read a track man report on anybody. Like I, like I think that stuff is, is fascinating and has some real insight. I think day to day, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, like the number one thing that they can they can use to get better is responding to their own ball flight. So if I'm playing catch, if you and me are playing catch and we're we're two pitchers in the outfield and I'm a guy who I'm um, I'm a left-handed pitcher and I'm trying to sink the ball uh, sink and run the ball away from righties. Every time I throw you the ball, no matter what distance it has to have the same shape. Like mm. until I can get that shape consistent and until I can make adjustments within that shape, like ah, I cut that one, let me let me get through this next one, you know, whatever it is then everything else is 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 on hold in, in my opinion um the, the guys have heard me say this a thousand times but i say you know it's like throwing a paper airplane with a bent nose like if you don't know which way the the nose is bent you don't know where the plane is going so the getting that shape consistent and being able to play like a really really high level game of catch as a pitcher 
to me, that's like the number one tool in the box and everything else builds on that. And as a pitcher or excuse me, as a hitter, you know, if we're hitting on the field, it's about, it's about finding the ball flight that's going to make you productive and being able to, you know, get to it as much as possible. Um, it's a little tougher for hitters. You know, obviously they're, you know, they, they have the toughest job in sports. They can't do it exactly the way they want every time. Um, but if you're a guy who's going to do damage to the pull side in the air, you got to be able to, to get to that ball flight. You got to be able to get the ball to carry pull side. You can't duck hook it or spin off it. Right. And being able to rather, rather than, you know, a, adjust yourself by saying, Oh, well, I'm going to you know do this with my elbow or, you know, do this with my, my front foot or whatever. I think adjusting from the ball flight to get the flight that you need to impact the team. You know, I think that's the best way to go about it. So that would be my favorite tool, whether it's pitchers or hitters. And then to, to, um, to, to get into like finer detail, there's, there's a, a bunch of different directions you can go, but to me, it, it all kind of comes back to ball flight. I think I love that too, though, because at, at the end of the day, to, to those things come down to who you are. Because, like you said, you got to find out what's going to make you successful. So you said, if I'm a big guy, you know, I'm a big donkey there that can hit the ball and not going to run, not going to steal second, then I got to learn to do these things. Because I think for first and foremost is who am I? You know, yeah, if I do need more sink and run, because I might not be the big 95 guy that can just blow it by people, I got to sink it, then I got to spin it across. Again, I think that number one is, like you said, what does that look like that will make me successful? Yeah, absolutely. I always so I had a I had a boss in uh, Division Two. I coached Division Two baseball for years. The guy's actually um, enjoying his family. No, no longer coaching. A guy named Jeff Six. I was a heck of a coach at Lincoln Memorial University, and he didn't create this rule, but he talked about it all the time, and it stuck with me. He was a big 10-80-10 guy, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, talked talked about, about it with us, you know, applied it to so many different things. And I think, you know, it really applies to, pl- to players where, you know, in our league or on our roster or in college baseball, 10% of the guys, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, it's going to be tough. Like, they're going to have to scrap and claw to really find a way to provide value to the team just because, you know, they're playing at a level that's maybe a little bit of a stretch for them. 10% of the guys are really good, you know, maybe just a little bit more gifted than the rest and, um, you know, got maybe have a chance to be pros or um, the, the kind of guys who have a chance to be a star at our level and, and, and be like a really um, marquee player. And then the middle 80, I firmly believe this, it's just who knows themselves the best. Those are the guys who give you value in the middle 80% of players. The guys who they have good talent but not necessarily exceptional and it's just, well, okay, kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with the role of the head coach. Well, how do I take my strengths, maybe dodge my weaknesses a little bit, but take my strengths and apply it to winning baseball? And if you're a big guy and you're going to hit the ball over the outfielder's head, you find a way to do it more often, you know, with pitch selection, with ball flight, and getting after in the weight room, taking care of yourself. Um, if you're a guy who's playing up the middle on defense, you find a way to shave a couple errors off your fielding percentage every year by the way you receive every ground ball or it, 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 obviously you can go on and on. Um, but the guys who know what their identity is and find a way to deliver it every single day through that reliability for the team, like those are the guys who become championship players, you know, and you just can't have enough of them. I love that. He said, knowing your identity and find a way to deliver it every day through your reliability. Like that's absolutely like, know who you are, find a way to do it every day uh, and be consistent through reliability. Like know your identity, find a way to do, to be consistent with your identity. (laughs) Yeah. And it's easy to say hard to do because step one for this middle 80% of players, I feel like is, you got to forgive yourself for not being part of that top 10. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. like not everybody's going to hit home runs, you know, and not everybody's going to throw 95. Like it's, it's okay. Right. It's, it's so easy. You know, um, when you're a player, I was this way, you look at a guy and I was never a hard thrower. You look at a guy falls out of bed, throws 94 and you think, geez, <laughs> like, why can't I be that guy? Like, that's a, that's a human emotion. We've all felt that. Um, but you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, well, that's not me. I want to help our team win. What can I do? You know what, what? What's what? What's within my skill set that can give us value? 
And, um, you know, it, it, it takes a certain self-awareness. It takes a certain humility and it takes kind of getting over beating yourself up for maybe not being, uh, like the, the all world guy that you, who could do everything he wanted to on a field like that, that, you know, I, I think we all want to be when we're like a, a little leaguer, right. You got to yeah. start, start being realistic and start approaching the game like a grown man. And those are the rewarding things with players, Trey. Like when guys like get that and they, they start to buy into it. It's so impactful to our team. It's so impactful to their future, you know, whatever's next for baseball or next after baseball um, or, you know, a pro career or anything like that. Um, to me, that's, that's the light bulb we're, we're trying to flip on with each guy. You know, if I can pick one thing is just figuring out how to take, you know, what you can do and apply it to team success. Simple as that. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great battle. Like, you know, if there's one thing that you're going to work on, I'm going to help you learn who you are in a way to deliver it reliably. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah well, th- like you well, said, and it's so impactful, like you said, even to our team, but it's impactful for their life. Like you said, to let yourself be okay with the limits that you have and knowing who you are. Like, I mean, how many people beyond baseball need to do that? <laughs> well, well, you know, me as a 38 year old man, probably uh, right. in, in, in a lot of areas, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an ongoing battle, right. To, to know ourselves better and to, to, to understand our situation better and try and be more helpful to the people around us. We all know that. Um, I just think we have such a unique opportunity in our sport to teach this because our sport is really hard. And the example I always give to the guys is, you know, Mike Trout, if you throw him a fastball with carry up or up in the zone or above the zone, historically his average is, is lower on that, right? You know, he's the best player who probably ever walked earth. And, there's things in the game that are hard for him. Right. Um, and you know, so how does he combat that? Well, four, two strikes, he usually doesn't swing at it. Um, you know, he, he hunts the pitches he can hit. He, um, you know, tries to adjust his approach depending on the matchup. If the guy's good at throwing that particular pitch, well, he's going to maybe swing a little earlier in the at bat. Um, he's going to try and use the field, um, you know, on that pitch a little bit more, maybe not try and do as much damage with it. There's all, all manner of things, that you can do, but it starts with, Hey, wait a second. Like, like this is a challenge for me. I got to find a way to give value, not just, you know, um, wish I could do you know, everything better than everybody else. And I think those conversations with players over the years, uh, where it's like, Hey, like, here's where you're good. Here's what we need from you. Here's what we want to maybe work around. Here's what we want to get better. Um, that's where guys really grow up, not just as players, but you know, as, as the young men that we're trying to impact. And, um, I've been doing this a while, you know, I'm in year going into year 17 of coaching and that's as, as, as that piece of it is as exciting to me or even more exciting than it's ever been. I I love that piece of it. Where do you find the time for those conversations? Anytime's a good time, but it's gotta be the right time, right? Like they gotta, they gotta be in a mindset to hear it. Um, So I think over the years you get, you get better at picking your spots. Um, you know, and a lot of times it's it's at that point in the guy's career where he's come to he's come to campus. Um, maybe it's that first fall practice, and he's a freshman. He's going up against guys four years older than him, and he's trying to figure out, well, okay, well, how do I fit into this new situation? How do I fit into this this new group? You know, where can I make myself important? And um, you know, I think you just find those times to pull him aside and say, hey, like you do these couple things really well. Like we want to benefit from that. Here's, here's our plan to do it. And here's our plan to make them better and to maybe shore up some of the areas where you're not as strong. And um, yeah, that individual, like, like drilling down into each guy type of development, like that's, that's where the whole thing is at to me. And um, yeah, you just, you, you just try and find those, those times where the, you know, maybe a, a good pointed conversation is going to have the most impact. Mm, that's awesome. Those are great things. Those are great things, coach. Uh, do you have, do, do you have those, like, I guess, I guess another, like, kind of, kind of lends up to like, those, like, fall exit meetings, I guess, after the fall goes, or when, like, you're kind of, you know, kind of rounding out your team, like, is that kind of, like, where you also kind of maybe start those conversations? 
Yeah, so those are a big deal uh, for us. We do them the week after the team segment of fall practice stops. I think the players look forward to them. Um, and I always tell guys, like, you know, if you're if you're working hard, if you're in the weight room every day at 8 a.m., you know, dumping the tank, if you're, um, you know, pushing yourself at practice every day, you deserve honesty from the coaching staff. You deserve somebody to look you in the eyes and tell you, you know, what we really think in love, like in, in, in a caring way. Like, um, but I, I just think, I, I think that's, that's the, that's the give and take of between coaches and players. Like the players give effort and the coaches give the truth. And if somebody falls down on one end of that equ- equation, then I think you're in trouble. So fall practice or at the end of fall practice, when we have these meetings, that's where we can kind of hit pause and have a fuller conversation about where we see each guy and how we see him helping us. And then we use those conversations to focus the individual period, you know, where we're constrained by the NCA with how many hours we can spend with them, but we were able to do it in smaller groups. And, um, you know, if we, if we bring a guy in, we say, Hey, look, um, you know, we like the, liked your fastball command. We, we got to land the breaking ball more often. We got to hold runners better. Well, we're going to spend the individual period, you know, repeating the breaking ball and, in some constraints that are going to get them either quicker to home plate or more feel for the running game or whatever that particular guy needs. And I think when the the coaches and the players are on the same page with that and everybody's pulling in the same direction, you know, that's when the real development happens and that's where the the good chemistry starts. 100%. Uh, Yes, that makes makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, It's just something whatever clicked in my mind when you talk about bringing guys in, uh, it just got me thinking of the transfer portal. I don't know why. Um, just thinking about the transfer portal because it's just like on everybody's mind right now and like like how it's impacted you and the challenges and recruiting and just just everything. Even like you said, trying to find the right fit, the right retriever, the right fit for UMBC because it's a very it's a challenging um, you know, job, just like it is everywhere. I mean, you're always everybody's just trying to find the right people. Um, but like how has that really made an impact on you, the portal? Well, it's been an interesting time, you know, these past couple of years, obviously, not just with the portal, but um, obviously with with COVID and, you know, the, the, the restrictions we had on, a, you know, a couple of different seasons and 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 um, the extended eligibility that guys got through that. So now you have grad transfers and fifth year seniors. Um, we'll use any available avenue to try and make our team better. Like if we feel like a guy's the right guy and we can find a way to get him on our roster, you know, we're not um, particular about like one way or another, I will say to get to the point where we feel like a guy's the right guy for our roster, that takes time. And the transfer portal can be a really compressed process, mm. right? Like it, it can be something that turns around really quickly. And I think that becomes a challenge to make sure you're doing the due diligence that you need to, you can do it. Um, but I don't think you can do it for like a whole bunch of different spots on your roster. Then I think you end up getting, you just, there's not a, a way to to learn all the things you need to learn about each person that you're bringing into your group. Uh, so uh, we use it. Uh, we use it in a limited way, um, and we keep our roster small. Like we're going to have probably 30 guys on the roster this year, um, and all these things that I've been saying about development, like I think they're only true. They're only. They're only. I'm only really being honest if we can keep the roster tight and we can. Um, you know, make an impact on each guy. I think if I was having this conversation with you and then we turned around and we had 50 plus guys on the fall roster, then to me that, that would be out of sync. Like you, you wouldn't be able to truly develop guys on an individual basis with, with all those guys. So uh, by keeping a smaller roster, um, by doing our due diligence on each guy, I think, you know, that's, we've been able to, um, not have to do too, too much with the transfer portal and, to, and, to, you know, gain some consistency and some stability on our roster. Um, and, and I, I just really believe over time that continuity, you know, you're going to, you're going to benefit from it as a program and the players are going to benefit from it too. So um, I'm not against guys going to school where they want to go to school. Like I, I think they should have that option. I'm, I'm for that. You know, so I'm, it's not, it's not a development I'm necessarily bitter about. It's just something that, um, I think should always be like a small part of our program rather than something where we're, we're bringing in a, a lot of guys and part of kind of shuttling guys around in these bigger rosters. You know, that's, that's not something that I would support at our place. Sure. 
No, it's great. I mean, it's just always nice to just hear like where people act. But it's a very real thing that again, educate. It's it's pretty new for the most part. So the mm-hmm. more that we can get educated on and about it, in the, in like your perspective of things, it's great. You know, like it's. I just it just again, this is all just for education, helping guys grow. Like you said prior to, like that's what we're all really trying to do here. We're trying to grow. Sure. Um, so like that's just for me. It's even just to grow my knowledge of the portal and where everybody's at and kind of you know, what everybody's kind of feelings are, they are and, and what they're going about it. So it's just, you know, you can definitely tell being through from the selfless, the reliable, the continuity, making an impact, smaller rosters, like you're about that. You can, and I think that just speaks volume and it's, and it's great because just like you said, people need to be who they are, um, you know, and we're all just trying to find our ways and you have your ways and it's, it's great that they show through. Oh, I appreciate that. And, and look at, when, when the portal came about and extended eligibility came about, like it, it took some sort of thinking it over and processing it and figuring out like, well, you know, how are we going to respond to this new environment? And I'm a big believer, Trey, like you can't predict the future, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen to our team. I just know that we're going to be selfless and reliable, right? So like what, whatever comes down the pike, that's going to be our North star. And the more I thought about this new landscape with recruiting, the more I felt like, well, we still need to be true to those values and those values mandate that we keep a smaller roster, that we don't become, um, you know, a a place with a a ton of like an, like an undue amount of turnover. You know, we want that stability on our team and that's what we want to work towards. We'll we'll always take a guy who's a, a championship player and a top level character if we can get them on our roster, we're always in the business of, of acquiring those guys, but they have to fit into the overall um, plan and um, the, and the values of the program. And so, and a lot of times, you know, we're at a point right now with the current recruiting class, these would be like the rising seniors uh, in high school. A lot of times you'll get a, a, a text from a coach or a player will reach out to you and the, the kid's a really good player. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe a few years ago before I really developed some of this stuff and really honed in on what was important to me, I'd say, well, shoot, you know, why don't we, we'll get him on the roster and, you know, maybe he'll really develop at our place and maybe he'll end up uh, playing for us and really overachieving. And uh, over the years, I've just, I've come to, to get away from that and just say, well, you know, our, our rosters, our roster, our guys are our guys and we'll move forward with them, you know, rather than uh, spread ourselves too thin. We want to be able to make an impact on each guy. Hmm. Awesome. Um, just, as we wrap it up here because we're, we're we're now over an hour already, um, which is pretty wild to say. Um, I'm just wondering, is there anything you know, anything maybe they haven't touched on that you felt that you know you really you really want to touch touch more about UBC and what is about your program? Oh well, uh, first I just appreciate the chance to to come on and, and chop it up with you here, man. Like this Heck has been yeah. fun, and it has it's been great. I, yeah, I always like talking about these things because that you know they're just really important to us. Um, I, I guess with with our program, um, we're just ex- excited to keep building it. Uh, I I just think that our um, our state, uh, our 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 region deserves a really good mid-major baseball program and that's what we're trying to build every day at UMBC something that you know we can be proud of that the university can be proud of the department and I want it to be something that people in Maryland are proud of and you know that a lot of the people listening to this podcast the people who are in our local area um, I don't know that we're we're there yet we're gaining on it I think uh, we made some strides last year I think we got we got a chance to make some really big strides this coming year um, but it, it, it it's, it's just, it's, I want it to be something where we stand, like we've been talking about this whole time, man, we stand for a, a particular way of doing things, you know, and, and like, we're, we're all about, believe me, we're all about winning. Like my feet hit the floor in the morning and I'm thinking about how are we going to win America East baseball games? Like I, I don't take a backseat to anybody in that regard, but we have to do it in a way that serves all of our goals. Not just like oh, like hey, let's hang a couple more wins this year. It's got to be something where we're we're living our values and we're serving the opportunity we've been given, and we're making the people who care about us proud. So, um, yeah, like I, the, the, you know, you, you gave me a chance to, to to say what I wanted to about our program, um, and and that's kind of what jumped out at me is is just what what we're trying to build and 
um, I, I, I do believe we're gaining on it every day. I'm really looking forward to 2023. Yeah, because I mean, it's not, you know, the, the vision's there, the clear vision's there, the mission's there, and what you're trying to do. So, I mean, that's going to help you guys hopefully uh, point, point the right people. And I think even just pinpoint the right coaches. You know, a lot. Of, this is really about speaking to different coaches. And, mm-hmm. and I think what it does, even what you've done, just the conversation that we've had is really just kind of get back to, like, I think this is a commonality between some really good coaches. It's just, it's a clear vision. It's like, here's who we are. You know, and right or wrong and different, this is what we're going to be about. Uh, and it helps you in all different ways. And, like, I love how you said the North Star. It's going to keep us pointing in this direction, and this is where we're going, you know. Um, so that's pretty awesome, Coach. I really appreciate it. Um, what would be the best way of, like, kind of, like you said, following you more, seeing the, the ground that you're gaining? What would be the best way to kind of follow you guys? So, you know, we've um... – kind of developed our, our social media over the years. I'm uh, I'm not our foremost expert on it. I, w- I will say I'm not a huge social media guy, but I know uh, the program and our sports information department does a really good job getting information out on Twitter. Um, and I would say, come see us play. You know, if you're, you're, if you're in the Baltimore area, uh, we're going to be playing our, our league uh, recently started playing the traditional Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. I think a lot of these Friday night games are going to be a blast at our place. Uh, we just co- completed a, or we're in the very final stages of completing a $5 million renovation around all the outdoor athletic facilities. It's going to make it a really nice place to watch ball games. And if you're interested in division one baseball at all, the games are free. You know, it's, it's basically like a service to the community, something that the community can enjoy and you can get up really close to it um, and, and get to see our guys in action, get to see a really good level of play. So those would be the two things I would say, you know, follow us on social media because there's a lot of good info there, particularly Twitter. Um, I think Do you know what your handle is? It's at UMBC Baseball. Okay. I got that much, Trey. I'm not the there best you go. social I media, just but sure. I, do, I do know where to find us, right? So <laughs> I, 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 got, I, I can do that. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think um, just coming to see the product on the field, like particularly young players or, or guys that are involved with young players, seeing it up close, I think there's no substitute for that. You know, that it's just, it's only going to make you a better coach or better player. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I just think it's a great, great. I mean, that's one thing I haven't heard. And I love that, you know, like just come watch us play, come watch us play, enjoy it. You know, like it's what a great education would be. Like, can you think you can play at this level with this is, you know, like where this is at, you know, like, I guess just come watch, you know, that's a great way. And I hope people take you up on that. Yeah. We'd love to see them. We'd love to see them. There's going to be some fun nights, uh, you know, out at the yard this year. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a, these Friday night games in particular, Saturday, Sunday, of course, and the midweeks too, but these Friday night games in particular are going to be a great event here on campus, so we can't wait for that. Awesome. I'm sure that's going to be a really, really cool experience for everyone. But again, man, I, I really appreciate it, buddy. This was really awesome. Yeah, no, th- th- this was great. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Coach Liam Bowen from UMBC just giving us a great information about his program, about how they're making decisions. I just love all the questions. Honestly, like what stuck out to me a lot of time was just uh, how many questions that he did ask. So I just felt like those are the, those are the kind of things that go through his mind and and, and kind of the uh, decision making and the process that he has. The, the amount of questions. Um, one of the questions. What what. What do you look like on your bad day? You know, that, that reliability, that consistency piece. What do you look like on your bad day? Can you find joy in your team and your teammates' success? I just found myself adding so many different questions that he asked. How can I, how can I take my strengths into winning baseball and helping the team? Um, those are just, the, those really suck out to me. What are the players going to remember you about? How are you going to respond to this new environment? These are questions that... Um, I loved, as I'm taking notes and thinking about it, looking back through it, like that was definitely something that stuck out to me that was pretty unique about this was the amount of questions that he asks. And I um, really thought that was really neat. Um, the 1080-10 principle, I've also heard that in terms of 1080-10 is like, 1080-10 principle is also like you have, you have positive leaders, you have negative leaders. Those are your 10%. And the eighty percent is who's gonna get how are you gonna get drawn to that, uh, and Coach Coach Bowen's in, uh, problem uh, the way his he described it was the ten eighty ten was 
the 10% is just going to scrap. You know, it's kind of a little bit ahead of their time. The game's a little bit maybe ahead of them or fast for them. they got to scrap. they got to work. they got to fight. And there's 10% that are just really good. They can wake up and get three hits. They can wake up and make a dive and play. Um, and there's 80% that just they know who they are. They know themselves the best. And they're going to be able to try to use their strengths to help the team. Very interesting concept um, about this, you know, reality when you're putting those teams together and what, what you have. Um, so I thought that was a pretty interesting concept as well. Uh, again, if you're not f- want to follow them, well, what a great thing to do is go and check those guys out. Uh, league play starts Friday to Sunday. I'm sure you reach out to those guys about coming in, looking at their work, seeing how they do, see how they run, run, their, run their business. Uh, I'm sure that's Coach Bowen probably having the problem there. Uh, again, follow them on Twitter at UMBC Baseball at UMBC Baseball. It's a great place to see what they're going. Of course, you can always check their school website out as well. So, again, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Coach Boehm, can't thank you enough, man, for all the great stuff that you've given us and the time that you uh, gave us to help us get better. So, and again, thanks to our Netting Pros guys, our sponsors, Netting Pros. We'll monitor those guys. Do it right. Check them out. Make sure you're following them and uh, use them for any means that you might. So, appreciate you guys hanging on. It was always a great time. And until next week, Keep getting better.